He kōna e pūrangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. Piki mai kake mai ki te au hurihanga. Welcome to Our Changing World, ko Klekin Kellen tēnei. Today is winter solstice in the southern hemisphere, the shortest day of the year. Due to the tilt of the earth, on this day and its yearly rotation, the North Pole is at its closest to the sun for the year and the South Pole as far away as it can be. The length of day depends on the latitude you're at. In Utpoti, where I live, the sun rises at 8.20am and sets at 4.59pm. I always find it a nice milestone because from then on you know the days are inching ever so slightly longer, bit by bit. But winter has its own charms. And in the South Island of Aotearoa, one of those are the long nights especially if they're dry and crisp and clear and you can get out to look at the stars and planets. Or if you're lucky, the aurora australis, the southern lights. This solstice night, there will be just a sliver of a moon and between sunset and when the moon sets just before 9pm, the planets Venus and Mars will cluster by it. And of course, depending on where you are, you might also get to see a sky full of stars and maybe draw lines between them to make shapes as humans have been doing for a very long time. This week, independent podcast producer and university student Max Ballock brings us a piece about these stories in the stars and how they're now under threat. The night sky for me opens our oldest storybook and I love immersing myself in the environment and looking up and yeah, reading those pictures and locating myself in the world within season and within a culture that respects and admires uh, the natural world, including our dark sky and stars. Victoria Campbell was one of the leading figures in the renaissance of Mataronga Māori knowledge and was proudly involved in making Matariki a public holiday here in New Zealand. Kia ora, ko Victoria Campbell to hōku e kua he uri tēnei no Kaitahu. So my name is Victoria Campbell and I am of Kaitahu descent and I reside here in Te Waipaunamu, currently in between Ōtiputi, Dunedin and Te Manahuna, the Mackenzie district. We view stars as atua. Uh, people like to translate as gods but what, what it is, is it's an acknowledgement that it, we're connected to something that has bigger energy than us. One of my favourite constellations um, is described in Western terms as Scorpio, um, but for Māori that depicts a very different image and associations. One of the particular stars in that constellation is Rehua. Um, Rehua in particular is associated with knowledge, um, and as an educator, I find a really special connection there to be able to bring forth cordial or dialogue and discussion about knowledge for the benefit of us going forward as, as a nation and as a population. Rehua is just one single star, and this is just one story about it. Rehua is a bright reddish star. You can find it if you look east early in the winter night at the base of a curve of stars the Greeks saw as Scorpion's Tail, which is also Maui's fish hook. There are many different stories for each star and constellation, and they're always changing because this is a live, organic form 
of storytelling. This is practice that has gone on for millennia. These narratives vary from region to region, from iwi to iwi, and even amongst whānau, regardless of what cultural background one may have or what location one is in the world, those stars do provide a, a prompt or a reminder for us to connect to our heritage. Uh, for me, I, I often describe the narratives that are associated as blueprints, uh, blueprints for our livelihood that ancestors before us have built upon and contributed to. And in fact, for many of us, that will be a legacy that we can contribute to for the future generations. I find it really special hearing different perspectives of the world around us. I think each one almost acts as its own star, a single point in a huge cosmos of variety, shining to prompt discussion or reflection on how things are. There are billions more people on this planet, billions more stars, with billions more unique perspectives and stories and they all contribute in their own little way to the storybook of human culture and experience. But it is an old book, stored in the attic, rotting away as we neglect it. The night sky is being poisoned by our light pollution, and we are losing our connection to time, as we are being blinded by the light. I know you've noticed it. That artificial glow that bubbles over civilization, smudging the sky into a mustard yellow, stealing the stars from the night. This is light pollution. Specifically, this light pollution is called sky glow. 80% of humanity is under this soulless light. That's 80% of humanity missing out on the magical connection that the night sky provides. This is central Auckland, the worst place in New Zealand for light pollution. Here, the light pollution is so strong that the human eye does not ever need to adapt to the dark at all because the night is replaced entirely by an artificial twilight. Few stars are visible, the few that are, are a miracle. But the sky is depressingly unremarkable here. This is the Wellington Airport. Here, night does exist, so some of the stars are able to shine through. But the Milky Way most of the time is still completely invisible. This is the reality for over half of New Zealanders, as an estimated 56% cannot see any of the Milky Way due to being in urban areas. This is my hometown, Gore. It is small, only around 12,000 people. Many stars are visible directly above. But even here, where the streets are dimly lit and there is no bright city centre, the Milky Way is incredibly faint. 
it is still much better than Wellington and Auckland, but it can be even more pristine. This is Rekiura, Stewart Island. It is as though the universe has just been born. The pictures in the skies are completely filled in. Thousands of stars that could never be seen from a place like Auckland. A gorgeous band streaks across with faint whites and pinks from our galaxy. This is the night sky humanity deserves. So what can we do to help fight in these Star Wars? It's about um, directing light downwards. It's never been about no lighting. Steve Butler, based in Invercargill, is the former president of the Royal Astronomical Society of New Zealand and an award-winning dark sky advocate. So if we direct the lighting downwards to where we need it to be applied, it's not going to travel horizontally or upwards into the sky. The other sort of aspects would be not to have too too much lighting. Only use what you need at the time for the task you're doing. That might be security, it might be uh, sports, playing sports field or something like that, but always uh, tailor the light for what you need it for. No rewriting of society. No paradoxical, impossible task. Just simple steps just directing light downwards and being responsible with how we use it. Many communities, led by their own heroes, collectively decide to take these steps towards darkness. When they do this, they can work with a group called Dark Sky, who provide guidelines and assistance for reducing light pollution. A lot of communities away from central population areas have come to realise is what they've taken for granted over the years for them is normal but for you know over 80% of the population of the world it's not normal you know they don't get to see the night sky the community then has to demonstrate that they have the support of the of the community they also have to show that there is some legislative framework that provides control of the levels of lighting Currently, there are more than 20 New Zealand communities on the path to becoming Dark Sky certified, and a select few locations have already attained this celestial stewardship. There are different categories of Dark Sky places. A Dark Sky community is on one end of the spectrum, and Dark Sky sanctuaries are on the other. These night sanctuaries are amongst some of the most pristine skies on the planet. Aotea Great Barrier Island off the coast of Auckland and Rakiura Stewart Island down south are both dark sky sanctuaries. And Aotearoa New Zealand as a whole is aiming to become a dark sky nation, which would be the first for a country of this size and only the second country worldwide to do this after Niue, which got the title in 2020. And it wouldn't mean that, you know, the the larger cities in New Zealand would turn dark overnight. 
It's about um, you know managing what, you know, how a city operates and and using those controls. You know, just turning the lights downwards uh, using smart controls. Um, so you know, setting out those objectives. Uh, adopting those objectives um, through their um, district plans or city plans, that sort of thing, and um, pave the way, you know, worldwide. Uh, and I think it would give New Zealand quite an advantage. New Zealanders have a great awareness of the environment, um, and in general terms, are quite protective. Um, we sell ourselves as, you know, 100% pure. So, you know, my view is that to achieve 100% pure, we should be looking after the night as well. So that's 50% of our environment. Thanks, Max. This story was presented and produced by Max Ballock, an independent podcast producer based in Ōtipoti, Dunedin. Max spoke to Victoria Campbell of Turunanga o Naitahu and to Dark Sky advocate Steve Butler. This episode was edited by me, Claire Kincannon. Sound engineering was by Phil Benj. And as always, our Changing World producer, Ellen Rikers, works hard behind the scenes to get each episode out. You can find out more about protecting the night sky on the Dark Sky website, which we will include a link to on our webpage, rnz.co.nz slash world. Tēnākoe e mai. Thanks so much for listening. Ko Claire Kincannon aho. Kia pai, tō wiki.